2: I had a diagnosis of infertility when I was in my 30s, which was the time when most of my friends were starting to get pregnant and they were having their own families was such a tough thing to go through. But when I look back on that time, the thing that strikes me the most was that I was so concerned with maintaining friendships that I became this people pleaser. Like I didn't want people to feel uncomfortable around me, even though it was so difficult to hear and so uncomfortable for me emotionally. And quickly I kind of realized that this was not a good way of operating and I became quite burnt out by this. And I remember at one point making a decision that there's just going to be this time in my life when I can't be around certain people and that as that a kind of like self-preservation in a way and recognising that that was just something that I had to do.
1: Coming up in today's episode, we'll be speaking to Jessica Hepburn and Gabby Votier from Fertility Fest about how fertility affected their friendship and how they learnt to navigate
3: life with and without kids and then to actually get that amazing moment that you've been striving for for years, then you feel this guilt.
4: We do need to have a language for this, which we haven't had historically. And we need to encourage people to be able to talk to each other about what is right
1: for them. And finally, we hear from Vanessa Hay, founder of Femenalyn.org, on how to support your friends and seek out support for yourself.
0: One thing that is challenged a lot throughout your fertility journey is your mental health. And if you're not speaking to anybody, you're kind of keeping that all inside.
1: In today's episode, we'll be talking about baby loss and fertility issues, which we know will be hard for some of our listeners. We just wanted to give you a heads up.
4: So I have been supporting a friend of mine through IVF. Um, She had to terminate her first pregnancy a couple of years ago. Um, and ever since, she has been trying to get pregnant again. Uh, what makes it more difficult, I think, it's um, that our social um, circle is having more and more pregnancies, more and more babies having uh, been born, and having my own baby is definitely made it more difficult to support her in terms of. I feel guilty for having a baby because I really wanted, really, really wanted for her. It's definitely a, a tough subject and I know it brings strain.
2: Welcome back to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Not to toot our own trumpets, but we've got really good topics this season. I'm super, super excited to get cracking with them all. Some are, some are happy, some are a bit sad, but they're all very uncomfortable. I think it's going to be a good one. I've got a bit of a sense of deja
1: vu though, I must admit, because when we launched this podcast, we were in the height of lockdown part one. And we've been planning season two for a couple of weeks now. And lo and behold, we are back in national lockdown. It's just ridiculous. Just the weather's not as nice. That's the only that's the that's the biggest difference for me. It's just darker, colder,
2: wetter. One of the other things that I think may have changed slightly is the amount of pregnancy announcements that I'm noticing there just seems to be a ton of them. They're all over social media. And I don't know whether it's because everyone's been banging like crazy, or maybe just because we can't go out, we can't do a lot. I'm spending a ridiculous amount of time on social media. Maybe I'm just noticing them more. I don't know. Well, yeah, perhaps
1: also because we're not kind of seeing each other face to face as much the announcements are kind of coming via our phones a little bit more. I don't know, I've noticed the exact
2: same, actually. It's uh, it's partly why we wanted to talk about it today because, like, if you're not currently... Trying for kids, or it's not something you particularly want, it can be really exciting seeing those announcements from friends. Like at the moment, where my headspace is, if I see those announcements, I'm like, great, there's a child that I might get to play with for a couple of hours and then hand back to its parents. It's like my ideal scenario. <laughs> but we, we know for a lot of people that's not the emotion that they feel when they see these things. So I write a lot about fertility and infertility for HuffPost and pregnancy announcements can be a real trigger for people who mm. are trying to conceive or maybe if you're single and you've not got that far yet you've not found the right person you can't afford to freeze your eggs you know loads of different scenarios those pregnancy announcements can be really tough for people depending on your circumstance mm. which is why one of the reasons why we wanted to get into the topic of fertility and friendship today because the two things are so interconnected but i often think we don't link the two very frequently it's really interesting that you mentioned this, actually, because I was having a conversation just the
1: other day with a friend of mine who is pregnant, and she was talking about the trickiness of announcing her pregnancy or announcing, even the term pregnancy announcement makes it mm. feel like a really, like, huge gesture. But telling people that she knows, friends, family, that she's expecting. Obviously, it's such an exciting time for her, and, and she just kind of wants to, you know, tell everyone that she loves about it. But she was just saying about how she's so aware because of, you know, people that she works with or just people in her life that she knows who are maybe going through a bit of a tricky time that she she's just been a bit hesitant to kind of, like, post it onto WhatsApp groups and stuff and so has taken, like, a very different, delicate tact with it, which I think is... is it's so great that she's being super sensitive about it because um, I think a lot of people, because they're so excited for their own news, perhaps don't necessarily think that somebody might be struggling because... I had no idea how prevalent the infertility was, but researching for this podcast, we found out that as many as one in eight couples can suffer from infertility. And it just shows how prevalent it is and that that could be people kind of in your immediate friendship circle, or that could be people that you work with. And it's just really important, I think, to try and perhaps be mindful of that, that you don't know what people are going through. And especially now, maybe with lockdown, where you know, everyone is kind of like a bit more isolated or a bit less able to perhaps have those intimate conversations that they might have had in the past.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it's so great that the friend you've mentioned has that self-awareness to be mm. cautious about how she's announcing her pregnancy. And like it's not just pregnancy announcements as well. It's all those classic conversations of like, are you going to have kids yet? Or your mum saying, when when can I be a nan? When are you going to crack on? It's it's such a tough one. And I think instead of putting the onus on the person to say, how do you reply? It should actually be an Mm -hmm. awareness on the asker in this scenario, just not to ask the question in the first place. I've been
1: with my boyfriend for a couple of years now, and I'm in my early 30s. And back in the pre COVID times, when you would go to like weddings or birthdays or engagement parties or whatever, even my friends who have got kids or my friends who are like the same age as me, they are like, oh, you next or blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you'll be engaged next or you'll be having a baby next. And there's that kind of pressure, but it's like, it's on everyone really to be more sensitive and to not really assume that kids are for everyone or that. everyone's going to have kids at the same
2: time kind of thing or wants to or will be able to. You're so right. And of course, like it's not just infertility that we're talking about here. There are just so many different reasons why people might be having a hard time with this. And that is why I think it's so great that we've got our guests coming on today that they're going to provide an insight into how they've dealt with it and hopefully offer some tips on how we can all be better friends around this topic because I think we need them.
1: You're listening to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? And if you want to join in the conversation, you can use the hashtag AIMYU. I found
4: it hard to really celebrate my pregnancies at times. I've had three children because I've had friends who have miscarried or have struggled to get pregnant. And whilst I've not had that experience, I've always been mindful and tried to be sensitive to their needs. Um, so I haven't done big announcements on Facebook or social media or on WhatsApp chats. I've just kind of told people one-to-one, but even in that it's, it's not always been well-received and so it was always going to be an issue because it's such a sensitive area. So I don't think there's anything I could have done more to to protect them from the pain.
2: by jessica hepburn and gabby votier who became friends when they were both working as arts producers jessica started trying for a family and gabby followed not long afterwards but despite several rounds of ivf jessica didn't conceive while gabby did they remained friends though and together they founded fertility fest which is a platform to support other people going through the same process jessica and gabby we're really happy to have you both with us today so we know you two have been friends for a really long time and you also were both trying to conceive at the same time. Can you tell us the sort of how did that impact your friendship?
4: Well actually I think to be honest we I'm a little bit older than Gabby so I was actually trying to conceive before you were Gabby weren't I?
3: Totally. I Jessica was my mentor um a long time ago and I remember being in Well, we used to have lovely, lovely lunches and dinners, didn't we? And I didn't have a clue at that point. So basically,
4: I was secretive about my struggle to conceive. And I was going through multiple rounds of IVF for years and years and years. And then I wrote a book about it and told the world. It was a massive decision to publish it under my
3: own name. I was initially going to use a pseudonym. You said, I'm I'm really nervous about this because I've never, ever talked about this. But I've written this book and I'd like you to, to maybe read a bit of it or something. And that's when you started talking to me. And at that point I wasn't going through fertility treatment. I think at that point I was all about career. I was like, not even thinking about babies.
4: And I think what that meant, Gavs, was that when you did start struggling to conceive yourself, you knew that there was someone that understood because I think the thing that you feel is like no one understands, Mm -hmm. even though so many people do, because it's a silent epidemic. I wanted to try and break the taboo. And, and that's why I wrote it as me. And, and to be honest, you know, it was an incredibly, I hate this word, healing, but, you know, it was actually, it was a healing thing to be able mm. to be open um, rather than, you know, like to, to, to have hidden it. Because you start to feel like it's all of you. Um, and actually, it's just a small part of you. And, you um, you know, it really helped to heal a lot of friendships and um, you know, and 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 how I
1: felt. So um, Jessica, you you were going through this kind of on your own for quite a number of years. That must have been quite an isolating experience. Can you talk to us a bit about that?
4: Yeah. Well, I started trying to conceive when I was 34, and I thought it was like the perfect age. I'd done everything that girls of my generation have been told to do go to, you know, university, climb the career ladder. I had an amazing job running this big theatre in London. Um, And then I'd met the man that I wanted to start a family with. We threw away the contraception. Like everyone thinks we thought we'd get pregnant in the first month. It didn't Mm -hmm. happen. Um, A year later, we made our first foray to a fertility clinic. We were diagnosed with unexplained infertility. And that was then the start of what became a decade long struggle to conceive um, that involved multiple rounds of IVF and multiple miscarriages. Um, And for the vast majority of that time, I did not tell anybody. I didn't tell colleagues. I didn't tell family or friends. Um, And I think that was for like, I've thought about this a lot because it's a really common theme. Mm. It's not, it wasn't, you know, it's not just me. Lots of people Mm -hmm. um, are very uh, silent and secretive about it. And for me, I think it was a combination of reasons. It was shame that I couldn't do what every other woman finds so easy to do um, and hope that next month it would all be over and I'd get that double line. I'd be able to join the mummy club too. And then I would have sort of crossed over onto the other side. And, and, And a big thing, a final big thing for me is like, women had fought for so long to be seen as more than wives and mothers. And I just didn't want to admit that actually I didn't think my like career was enough and that I would never be happy if I couldn't have a child. And I, I felt like embarrassed about that.
2: So, so Gabby, knowing that Jessica had been through all of this, it's such a huge thing. And then obviously you started your own fertility treatment and you did conceive. Tell us a bit about navigating that within your friendship. So did you worry about telling Jessica that you, that you had conceived? What, what did that feel like?
3: Yeah, of course. Of course. God, it's like getting me now. Oh, cause you know, that pain, cause you've been there, you know, I had five years of failing. Um, I had four rounds of IVF. One of those I had neck topic. that Jess was pretty much the first person I called because she'd also been through that experience. She was sort of bringing me down off the ceiling when I was scared I was going to die from it. And, um, and then to actually get that amazing moment that you've been striving for, for, yeah. for years, then you feel this guilt a little bit and you feel, how am I possible? Like I'm, I'm with my crew now. I found my people who mm-hmm. we've all going through it together. You know, like your friendships are otherly. They are so deep because you understand this extraordinary pain, hope, mad cocktail of absurd things that happen to your body, do you know what I mean, that you kind of go through together and then suddenly you feel like you're you're leaving those people because you've almost betrayed them <laughs> by being successful, but you don't feel like real people, like normal people that conceive just by having sex. I'm rambling, but I knew the pain of when people had told me that they were pregnant or, you know, the Facebooks, the baby scans and just like, you're so happy for that person, but, but a part of you dies as well. And just knowing I didn't want it's, to, it's how to do it because I think I emailed you, you know? I think I emailed you because I think I was thinking, what is the best way to do this? And actually what I didn't want to do was put you on the spot to have to react to me face to face. And I felt that if I, I'm pretty sure I wrote it to you so that you could then receive that information and then we could talk.
4: It's a really important thing to say for people to understand how it feels for the person who is receiving the news it, that you're, you're both trying to get pregnant and their close friend is successful. Is I've always say that it's a travesty that there isn't a word in the English language for feeling happy for someone, whilst also feeling sad for yourself at the same time, and that is the only way that I can describe what it feels like. And I wish there was a word for it, Mm. and there isn't. And it's a real feeling. And one of the really hard things is that you, you know, whether you you get there in the end or you don't, you're robbed of having that joyous moment yourself and also sharing it with your friends because that's all you want to do, to share this life transition with your close friends, and you can't.
3: And also that you are part of a community, and so you feel for me, you feel like you might lose some of those friends. And for me, it was really important that I didn't. So people that were still trying to conceive while I was pregnant, I was really careful not to drop them because they, they are still probably some of my bestest friends in the world now. And some of them have conceived and some of them haven't. And I think it's really important to not just saying oh that's it I'm fine now because actually you're not it changes you forever.
2: How do you practically navigate that if a lot of your friends are among this you know infidelity, trying to conceive community but then you've then got a child is it you know limiting baby pictures limiting when you bring your children with you or or do you not just ha- yeah how do you do it?
3: I'm really careful not to throw it in people's faces it must have been really hard for Jess because when we first formed the festival my kids were once and so we talked every day maybe more than once a day and every time I'd have two screaming babies in the background and I was very aware of that and how that must have been hard but I think I definitely I don't put pictures on Facebook I'm careful to make sure that I don't sit and talk about my kids all the time I ask about that other person we talk about different things and then it's up to them if they want to ask me about my children.
1: It's amazing that you're so mindful of this. And obviously that comes from kind of going through, as you've said, like this difficult journey yourself. If you're someone who is struggling with their own journey and you have friends who, who, you know, as far as you're aware, haven't struggled at all, how do you manage that friendship? You know, one of the things that I always like
4: counsel is that we have to forgive people for saying the wrong things or doing the wrong things because most people don't do things to hurt. They don't put mm-hmm. pictures up or invite you to um, baby showers or christenings, you know, because they're wanting to hurt you. And and actually, to be honest, it's, it's even worse, I think, when you stop getting invited to those things because people yeah. don't want to hurt your feelings. But we do need to have a language for this, which we haven't had historically and we need to encourage people to be able to talk
3: to each other about what is right for them. You just don't want to be ghosted. That's yeah. like, that, and that happens a lot. Mm, and they just yeah. want you to be happy and they just want to fix it and they just want everything to be okay and it's coming from a really good place. But actually, you just feel very lonely. Have you, have
1: you guys kind of experienced that? Have you lost friendships going through this, this journey? You talking about ghosting, has that happened to either of or, you or or have you ended friendships
4: the truth is about all friendships is that they come and they go mm-hmm. and you definitely you know lose some people but you gain other people yeah um I think you know you don't, and don't you can't hang on to a relationship that is hurting you mm-hmm. you know you you or or not giving anything to you, you know, and, and the nice way is to try and sort of let that sort of fade away. But, but what, but my view is that I try and maintain, you know, all my friendships, because life is better with them. And, you know, friendships do go through ups and downs. And this is one of them, you know,
3: I don't know if I'm massively generalizing, but I think also, women tend to talk more. And I think, My husband found it really, really lonely because he didn't tell anyone. And when he did, he told like one or two people and they found it really difficult to know what to say. And then he just clammed up even more. So I think that's something to remember as you're going through it as well as the other person is hurting just as much as you are.
2: So we know that a lot of people do struggle to talk about this, men and women, and Jessica, you mentioned that you kept your own experience secret for years and years, about nine years. What do you think holds people back and how can they overcome that if they're worried about sharing these feelings? It's really embarrassing, isn't it? For a start, you think, oh, my God,
3: is this really happening? is this really no no no, it'll be all right it'll be all right next month it will work it will work and you just and then it then no one will ever need to know and then when you're actually in it injecting yourself whipping your knickers off every five minutes for people to look up your know and and like it's just it's really hard to talk about generally you know because it's this weird experience and you where do you start like if someone says to you well how are you and you go I'm injecting and you just feel like do I really want to pass that trauma onto that person no I don't even want to deal with it myself I do think things have shifted and there's amazing support groups there's brilliant pieces of art there's that amazing film that we um showcased in the festival Only You which is an amazing thing to like A, go and see if you're going through it just to just to have your experience reflected. but Also, like if someone's struggling to understand what you're going through, take them with you to see it because people will be able to watch something like that and feel some of the feelings that you are actually going through. And that is a brilliant place to start a conversation.
1: That's a really good um, segue to talk about Fertility Fest for a, a bit, I think, which is, it, which is an in- incredible achievement for both of you. And it's obviously kind of um, part of your own personal experience, but then also kind of bringing together lots of, lots of different people and artists who, who can kind of share that experience with you.
3: What kind of were your hopes for it? So my hubby Gareth Barr, he, uh, so he hadn't told anyone about what we were going through both of us were just really struggling. So I was like, we need to go to a support group. And so we went along and I think he was the first to speak. And I and literally just all this stuff came out. And then he went home and that night started writing a play. It was a moment of epiphany for him that, oh my God, there is so many people going through this, but we don't talk about it as a nation. And then I started talking to Jess about it. And she'd had this idea about Festival about bringing together pieces of art, artists, medical professionals to talk about all the different types of things to do with fertility. And I was like, Well, I want to do this play, and you want to do this festival, and actually that together could be a really amazing thing.
4: Like I always joke that when we started it, you know, I thought it was like basically me and Gareth, I wrote, I've wrote, i written two books, Gareth wrote his play and Frida Carlo, who did, you know, amazing art around her miscarriages. We were the only artists who made work about this subject. But the reality is that there are loads of people making work now and we showcase many of them. What is so unique about it, I think, is that it's a a space full of love, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the sort of first live event where you walked in around fertility and you knew that everybody that was there understood something about what you were going through and you felt you could talk to them and share with them. And that was incredibly unique.
1: It's incredible. What an amazing gift to give to people that were kind of going through this. It's amazing.
4: If you've been through, like... One of the most difficult experiences of your life, you know, if you don't hand on what you've learned and make things better for the next generation, well, that's sad. You know, that is something that we can both do and have tried to do.
3: And I think the the power of the combination of things that the festival brings together is also that the medical professionals that were there as experts on our panels actually came away going, I didn't understand <laughs> that patient experience and, and that way until I was involved in that event and I watched that piece of art or I talked to those patients in the Q&A afterwards and you know just we just created a, a, an environment for conversation that actually enacted change.
2: Yeah, it's so great that you've found an outlet for this all. You've helped other people and I'm really glad that we've managed to talk about the arts right now as well at a time where we're all so desperate for the arts to come back and I really, really hope next year Fertility Fest is back live, bigger and better than ever. But we've got one last question to ask you before you go and that is, what makes you uncomfortable?
3: Should I go first? Go on, Gaps. That question makes me uncomfortable <laughs> I can tell you so that is my answer sorry a cop out is it out being put on the really spot
1: awesome. oh man. <laughs> man let's go let's go Jessica could answer and then maybe we'll come back to you you're not off the hook yet
4: <laughs> I've been thinking about this question because we did get a tip off that we might be asked um, and I, to begin with I really couldn't think of anything other than the obvious thing and so I'm going to say the obvious thing because it is on theme for this conversation I think I will never stop feeling uncomfortable when someone asks me, have I got children? Because what I always say, I have, um, you know, like through things like my books and Fertility Fest, we've, we've both turned the pain that we've been through into a really positive thing for other people. I have gone on to have an amazing life in the... I, you know, I do these huge challenges. So I swam the channel and I've run the London Marathon. And right now I'm training to climb Everest should have been there this year. So I, I have an amazing life, but it isn't the life that I ideally wanted. I went through 11 rounds of IVF unsuccessfully and haven't been able to have my own biological children with the man that I love. And that will always be a sadness. Mm. And so, and that's one of the things that I sort of always say, I'm never getting over this sadness. I carry it with me. And so, of course, when someone asks that question in any context, you know, there's always a stab of pain. You know, like I haven't, but that's not what I wanted, you know, um, and, and, and that pain, you know, will stay with me for the rest of my life. And I don't want to pretend, even though I've got a, like an amazing alternative life, mm-hmm. that that pain is ever going away. And the reason why I don't want to pretend that is I want people to understand how hard the pain is. Back um, to Gabby. No.
3: Gabby. You don't have to. Yeah, she told part. me. She was like, that's that's fine, Gabby. Being rude. Rude people. There
2: we go. <laughs> was that at me for telling you that wasn't an okay answer? <laughs> Thank you both for joining us. This has been really great, super insightful. We've really, really appreciated how honest you've been about the whole thing. It's amazing.
4: When I was going through fertility treatment, I often found that I withdrew from certain conversations or situations I didn't mean to and sometimes I probably didn't even know that I did it but I was doing it to protect myself and unfortunately from the other point of view those of my friends and family I think that they sometimes didn't know what to say or what to do and a combination of the two has the potential to drive a bit of a wedge between friendships. So it's a conversation that we really need to keep open and we really need to to talk about um, so that fertility doesn't affect our friendships in the negative way, which I know it can.
2: You can find Jessica and Gabby on Twitter on at JessicaPursuits and at GabbyVotier or find them on Instagram, at FertilityFest. When it comes to fertility, the stories of
1: women of colour are often not represented. We know that black women face a lot of racial bias in the UK healthcare system and have a higher risk of miscarriage and are twice as likely to experience stillbirth. Today we're joined by Vanessa Hay, who is the founder of Femenalin.org, a safe space for black women to share and learn about intersectional reproductive health issues. Vanessa wrote a really moving article for HuffPost recently entitled Black Women Get Left Out of Baby Loss Narratives, So I'm Telling My Story. We asked Vanessa to talk through six key ways we can support a friend who's trying to conceive and how to ask for help
0: if you're struggling. Number one, a good way to show support to a friend is do not give out disclaimers that they don't necessarily find helpful. So for an example, one of the times when I'd lost a baby, a lot of the times someone would say to me, oh, well, at least you got pregnant or, you know, at least, you you know, you lost the baby earlier on. That isn't helpful to anybody who has been waiting a long time to have a baby. As far as we're concerned, we go through a process where we're able to see our baby so early that that's still alive to us. And as much as, You'd think that it's comforting. It doesn't help at all because for us, it's a life that's been lost and it's probably best just to show support and sometimes say nothing and ask, how can I support you as opposed to saying something that you think is helpful? Number two, how can you ask for help when dealing with fertility? Well, I'm from a community where we don't necessarily speak about infertility or necessarily going through treatment. And Something that I had to appreciate along the way is not everybody will talk about their story or their journey. So the best thing I can say is for myself, I always had to think about that one person that I know I could trust with the information that I was going to tell them. And that happened to be friends that weren't necessarily going through the same particular situation, but I could just pass off any concerns that I had. It's just about having a sounding board because one thing that is challenged a lot throughout your fertility journey is your mental health. And if you're not speaking to anybody, you're kind of keeping that all inside. As long as you have that one person that you can trust that will listen and not necessarily say anything, you're offloading. And it's just a way just to kind of keep you sane throughout the process. Number three, how do I deal with friends who are probably pregnant or already have children? I don't know what it is, but our whole circle, we tended to kind of get married and have children around the same time. Once the weddings came through, then the pregnancies came, and that was really, really difficult. Baby showers became difficult. So there were times that I had to say to friends, if it's okay, I'm going to send you a gift or let me know how I can help you plan your event, but I'm actually not going to be at your events. And I'd like to think I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for my friends who are really, really good friends because they knew the situation and they understood what I was going through. They would understand when I wasn't present at their events. And one thing that I always kept in mind for myself was even though I know I wasn't necessarily happy for myself, I was happy for them. But then even then, sometimes you you do feel jealous because you need to see it from this point of view. You're jealous because it's something that you want, not necessarily because it's something that your friend has. Number four, how to make medical professionals take your issues seriously when you're a black woman? when you really, really want something, you do anything to make it happen. And so for me, I think something that I became much more aware of through the process was just advocating for myself. I would always go into a GP's consulting room and silly as it sounds, I would take notes so that if anything was said that wasn't clear, I'd clarify or I'd just go somewhere else and probably get more advice. Another thing that I would say is always seek a second opinion. And as you would have seen from so many other reports, there is a lot of bias when it comes to believing, I think, any woman's pain, let alone black women's pain. And so sometimes if you do feel like there is a practitioner or a doctor or a gynecologist that isn't necessarily listening, it's really, really important to never feel like you're inconveniencing someone. And therefore it's fine for me to ask for an extra appointment or to see another person if I don't feel that I'm being listened to. And I know, not everybody is as assertive for whatever reasons, but sometimes if you can also have another person in the consulting room, I'd also recommend that as well. Number five, places to find support and advice. Okay, so this is a tricky one. One of the things that I found was there was a shame attached to the journey. And the reason why is because people don't talk about being infertile or going through IVF in the black community. So that further perpetuates the idea that it's not something that people have been through, which then makes me feel alienated and different as a person. And because of my experience, I ended up creating a platform I felt that I needed called femelanin and it is a space and a forum created by a black woman myself for black women that really kind of allows other black women to feel like they can talk about stuff that they can't in a in a wider capacity. So apart from femelanin, if you simply just need to Know that there's other people there that are go through the same thing as you. So just simple advice like the technicalities of IVF websites that I've I found really, really helpful or, or forums is something called Brown Broken Egg. You've got Peanut now who have like a specific forum for fertility. You have Mum's Nets, Baby Centre, you have got March of Dimes that more focuses on baby loss and miscarriage. If you go on to www.femaelenin.org forward slash resources, there is a list of external websites that you can access to get more information that are really, really, really helpful. So number six, welcome new friendships. When I felt ashamed to go into my own community. So when I say my own community, I mean like family and friends to talk about what I was going through The only other thing that I had access to was TTC community and TTC stands for trying to conceive. They are actually the community that inspired me to open up and start blogging. If you go on there and start following accounts, there are so many women that are open to talking. And the point that I'm making is you've got that fine balance of having someone that doesn't necessarily know everything about you but they can relate to that very thing that you're going through, which is the fertility journey. And that's the reason why those friendships were so powerful. And just from those, I've made so many good friends. It really, really helped me. I had a good friend for a long time and uh, I found that after a while of trying to get pregnant, um, when I finally managed it, which was huge for me, the biggest thing that had happened to me, forever really and you know as one of my good friends my best friend at the time I just thought she'd have been really happy for me but she just seemed to be actually a bit dismissive and she didn't want to know Um, she didn't really want to engage in conversation about it and I just found that she stopped being my friend once I got pregnant um, and then I actually lost that pregnancy quite early on and she was just not able to be supportive for me um, or happy or anything like that so our friendship just went by the wayside.
1: Thanks so much to Vanessa for joining us on the podcast. You can find her on Instagram at Vanessa Hay or find Fee Menelin on Instagram at Fee Menelin Official.
2: There were so, so many things in those interviews that, I think I've learned from and will, will stick with me and make me treat my own friendships a bit differently in future. And also like I've just changed my perception slightly on how I see pregnancy announcements and things like that. Like I think something that um, Jessica said that really stuck with me is I wish there was a word for when you're happy for someone else, but you're sad for you. And I think that can be related to just so many things in life, like, not just babies that you know people's promotions people's houses people's relationships whatever i just think that is at the crux of a lot of our friendships that weird area where you're jealous but you're happy for them but you're you're still jealous it's really hard to navigate and
1: that's also really helpful advice like for not just the person who's like receiving that news but also as um as somebody who might be delivering news like that you, that you're pregnant and then have a reaction from somebody that you didn't quite expect it helps to kind of i don't know to kind of process how other people might react to you so if somebody is a bit like oh and they've kind of got re- their first reaction to you is to be kind of a bit sad or or a bit quiet or something that doesn't mean they're not happy for you it means that they're going through something as alongside being happy for you and that those two things can like coexist but it's so true there's just not a word for it. Um, something that I also took away which I which I hope that um, listeners can take away with them too is the whole I obviously we're talking about friendship in relation to fertility and each of our guests spoke about how their fertility, experience, introduce them to new people and how they were able to forge new friendships that could support them and sustain them at a very specific point in their life, Um, not even necessarily on the, the exact same path, but people that they could relate to at different points in their journey And obviously Jessica and Gabby have been friends for a long time, but it feels like this friendship is super strong now. And they spoke so much about all of their kind of wider circle of friends that they found through this journey and through the Fertility Festival, that it just feels like those friendships are just as strong as any other friendship that you would have. And I just think that's a really important thing to take away, even if it might be hard for you to go through a fertility experience with people you went to school with because they might not be on that same path as you, they may not be ready to have kids yet, they may not want them at all, but there will be people that you can seek out and groups that you can seek out that will be able to connect with you and that just hopefully makes the feeling not feel as isolating.
2: Yeah. Because
1: that is heartbreaking to think that you go through you can go through something that is so difficult and feel like you have no one to talk to.
2: Yeah, I know what you mean. All of them talking about the friendships they've gained, I think, just shows that you can find things that are really enriching in really hard times, Mm -hmm. as cheesy as that sounds. And it just really reminded me of a throwback to our friendship episode in season one when we were talking about friendship breakups and how your friendships change through your life. And Mm -hmm. that whole idea that you can have a friendship for life, but you can also have a friendship that doesn't feel quite right anymore. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the the powerful thing is knowing when to let go of something that's not making you feel good and when to embrace something that's right for you now. And I think that's what all our Mm -hmm. guests have done, you know, when they couldn't find people within their traditional communities, you know, in real life friends that worked for them, they found Mm -hmm. other people who did. And Yeah, that's such a nice thing for them to be able to take away. And I hope a lot Mm -hmm. of people listening will as well. That's it for the first episode of the second
1: season of Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Next week, we talk about anger. So if you want to be part of the conversation, get in touch using the hashtag AIMYU. Please subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review. We don't accept anything less. I'm Brogan Driscoll and you can find me at Brogan underscore Driscoll.
2: And I'm Rachel Moss, and you can find me at Rachel Moss underscore. This podcast is produced by Rachel Porter. Our assistant producer is Martha van der Wolf, and our sound engineer is Nag Karinde. You've just listened to Am I
1: Making You Uncomfortable? Hashtag A-I-M-Y-U.